Welcome, this is Anthony Haynes, I'm Creative Director of Frontinus Limited. Welcome to the Grey Lit Cafe podcast brought to you by Frontinus Limited. Frontinus is a communications consultancy focused on engineering, infrastructure, sustainability and research. Welcome to this episode of the Grey Lit Cafe, which is enigmatically titled Don't Fall in Love With Your Work. I have with me to discuss this topic, Sabui Issa. Welcome, Sabu. Thank you, Anthony, for having me. Well, it's a great pleasure. And, you know, normally I don't ask guests, tell me a little bit about yourself, because I normally find that leads to quite irrelevant discussion on podcasts, and I don't listen to podcasts that do that. But on this particular um, episode, I'm going to break my rule and ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself, because the topic sort of grows out of your biography a bit. So could you just tell us a little bit about your, yourself, your background, your work? Yeah, sure. So I'm Sabuhi Isa from North Pakistan, basically from the feet of the greatest mountains in the world. Um, and I'm basically an architect by profession and I'm um, trained in an art school in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. So that's why maybe um, my ideas are a bit unconventional than... <laughs> Uh, well, in Cambridge, I'm in the engineering department, so that's why it, it seems more unconventional when I say yeah. unconventional. Yes. Um, so that's why maybe my ideas are a bit, um, yeah, uh, unconventional in that way. Yes, and it, it must be it must be a heck of a transition for you, for having been born, as you say, the foot the foot of the, the greatest mountains in the world. Cambridge is Cambridge is completely the opposite, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's very very flat. But um, now the idea for this episode um, grew out of a meeting that we had in Cambridge, actually in the Department of Engineering in Cambridge, and we were discussing a piece of your research writing. And what I noticed was that you you were very unusual. The thing that made you unusual was that you were very open to the idea of rethinking your your piece of writing. So you've written a draft, and I was making various observations and comments and indeed suggestions, and I noticed that um, you were very open to to the idea that you might want to change things around rather than just stick with what you've got. And I should say that's not my general experience. I mean, I I find that often... What I find is often even writers who tell me that they want to hear honest feedback are often actually pretty resistant to changing things very much. So I was very struck by that. And um, what I, I commented on it to you. I said I noticed you're very open-minded about the idea of changing your writing. And you said it grew out of your experience working with a professor in Pakistan. So could I invite you to tell us the story? Who was the professor? What, what, what did he say to you? Yeah, sure. As I said, I was in an art school where uh, the Department of Architecture was. Mm -hmm. And um, one of my greatest professors who I admire in my life, um, who passed away last year, was a big loss for us. Uh, so he was, um, he was trained in, um, in the US Mm -hmm. as an architect and he came back to Pakistan to teach us. So he was, um, a very postmodern kind of, um, arch- um, you know, he had, he, he had very postmodern architecture, uh, right, architectural okay. ideas and everything. So, right. um, he used to tell us something which has actually changed my life. So this professor in my art school, um, he used to teach us in the studio and in this, in the architecture studio, basically the students are supposed to create these projects. 
uh, on everyday basis. Mm -hmm. So it means like developing a, a, a design, um, a design project from the scratch. Like you, you process, you go through a process design process and then you go to your final, um, product and you display it. Uh, so initially I was really, I used to fall in love with everything yes. I used to create because it's something natural, right? Yes, when absolutely. you create something, you adore it. Yes. It's like your baby. Yes. So, and yes. you never want to change it. Uh, so yes. he said something to me, which was, which was something really, which is something really important for me as a, as a, um, as an architect as a whole and, and as a professional. Uh, mm -hmm. he said, never fall in love with your design. Mm -hmm. Keep it changing, you know, let it change, let it evolve. That is basically the beauty, uh, of the whole process. And he said, if you will, you will be stick with, you will be rigid to change it and you will hesitate to evolve it to its final form, um, you will not get to its true essence of it, you know. Mm. You will not reach that level where the the product or the design will be in its true essence. Mm. So that changed a lot of things when it comes to my academic writing also. Mm. Also in my uh, professional field, when I started practicing as an architect, I always had this in my mind that I, I used to, you know, like intuitively you develop an idea, a yes. concept, and I was never hesitant to change that or evolve that into a, a new form. It doesn't mean that I, I used to reject my idea mm. as a whole, mm. but I was, uh, I, I started enjoying like evolving it into, into something else, something like in, in, into, into a better form of it. Yes. Yes. I mean, there are several things that I'd like to ask about what you've just said because it fascinates me. I mean, firstly, what, what's the name of the professor, the, the late professor? What was his name? Yeah, so, uh, Sir Irfan Ghani, Professor Irfan Ghani at National College of Arts back in Lahore, Pakistan. Right. He was a very unconventional professor. Right. Uh, if, if I, I put it that way. So what was it? Can I ask you this? Uh, I mean, someone else might have said to you, Sabuli, don't fall in love with your work, and you might not have listened to him. I mean, what, what was it about him that made you want to take his advice on? Was it the quality of his own work, or was it the type of personality he was, or what, what, what made you trust him like that? Actually, the university department intentionally, um, uh, uh, intentionally, uh, um, kept him in the third year of architecture. Uh -huh. Where we encountered him in the third year of architecture, uh, in, in our undergrad years. So that was very intentional. And I think that was very important for us as students because in the first year and second year, you just build your ideas, right? So you build this mountain of ideas yes. and you think that you know everything now. <laughs> you are an architecture student. Yes. And he was there to break all those things that we just built. Right. So we had this mountain of ideas. <laughs> we were so like overconfident that we are good architects. We are in the top architecture school. We know everything. Yes. We know everything about postmodernism, all these Picassos and, you know, Mondrians and every, yes. everyone. We know everything. And then he was there. He actually broke us down into pieces. Right. And he let us grow again. Right. 
It sounds like a good sergeant major in the army, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fascinating. Um, uh, I'm very interested um, about how you said it had this profound effect on your work, like it changed the way you work. So uh, would you be able to give us an example um, from design or architecture of how you sort of rethought a project? Or Yeah, sure. Like um, in my thesis year, I was designing a community space where I had to design these public spaces for the communities. Um, initially, I, like intuitively, of course, I was designing this facility in the mountains. So I was very rigid and I, I was, um, I designed something very typical to the context, which was already, um, found in the context. Right. For example, the public spaces and even the structures, they were kind of, um, very like they were in 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 a um in in this in the in a similar theme of vernacular architecture and traditional architecture right. and the current modern architecture that is found in the mountains so but then um i started deconstructing that mm. so i i started um breaking it so i started decoding the whole design mm. because from from something which is very conventional because intuitively you 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 basically come up with something which is uh with with your own memory and your own yeah. uh, natural um instinct right yes. uh so i started breaking that and then i came up with something i evolved that into something which was quite modern mm. and yeah. i would say it was a it was uh, it was quite different from what typically you would see in the mountains mm. design wise also also the the layout of the the plans uh the organization of the spaces right. the interconnectivities everything started evolving into into a better form of it and at the end i i had something which was kind of um which grew from the context but it 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 uh, it didn't look like something which is already found oh, there so it was a better version of mm. what i had in the, in the beginning and then listeners might be wondering well why not just go to that better version in the first place why do you why do you have to go through the initial draft but do you feel that's part an essential part of the process that you have to almost like create something that you then break down in order to get to the that's a version. You know, I, I, sorry if I'm, um, just giving, uh, references from my art experience no, in architecture, but this is something, uh, which always fascinates mm. me. For example, if, um, I was a sculptor mm. and I had to carve this, um, sculpture out of, uh, out of a marble stone, I would have to carve that stone, that block yes. of stone. So that block of stone is basically the first form of it. And if I don't break it yes. into, into this, and if I don't carve it that way, yes. and I don't, uh, evolve it, it will not be, it will not become a beautiful sculpture in the end, of course. It will be just a block of rock. Mm. Mm. So, um, yeah, I mean, evolving mm. your design, evolving your ideas and First of all, breaking them down and evolving them into a new version of uh, an improved version of it is always fascinating. That that's something I enjoy. Yeah, doing. and it seems to me there's a notion of 
play of playing with ideas and possibilities there and I mean, you said earlier, you said you were drawing on examples from your sort of art and design background, but actually, as an editor of the written word, whilst you were talking, I could sort of translate that into how you go about creating a piece of, of written writing. Um, so let's talk about that. You're now uh, a research um, a researcher in the engineering department in Cambridge, and so you're dealing with the written word. And so do you find there's any problem translating this approach to writing or do you find it's just it's the same approach but you happen to be using words rather than architectural plans i think it's the later what what you said it's now i'm playing with words before i was playing with different mediums yes so but the but the building of ideas and developing ideas creating ideas breaking them down evolving them it's it's almost the same well, I, I find that, I said earlier that I find that writers are often rather resistant to changing their plans, particularly in relation to comics. They tend to stick with what they've got. So I've been working recently with a university that's had some rather disappointing peer reviews, okay? And they asked me to um, help them sort of think that through so that they could be more successful in the future. And what I found was... Although ostensibly they were saying, well, we, you know, we need to think about this because of the peer reviews, we need to change things. What I found initially was that when I was suggesting changes, they kept resisting the changes. And you think, well, do you want to, do you want to be more successful or don't you? Because you're going to have to let go of things. Um, so, I mean, it's an example you could give us about how your writing your written work has changed as a result of not falling in love with your first first draft. What, what sort of things change in your writing? As I said, I have made this part of my... It, now it has become like part of my uh, personality or my character. Mm. I actually enjoy doing mm. that. So I built a draft, which is like... I, I just throw my yeah. thoughts on the canvas, uh, on the Word document... Um, of course, they are in in in, a, in an organized way, mm-hmm. but they are not the final. I know that from the from the first point. Yeah. And I don't write with the with with the thought that this is something final. Mm. I always think that this is the this is the start of something. Uh, this is the starting point of something which is going to evolve into something else. Yes. Um. So the yeah. first draft, for example, for my first year report, I was writing my, uh, I started writing my first draft. So I was doing my literature review. I collected all, all the, uh, secondary data and I organized it in a way. I structured it. Even the structure of it, I was, I, I was not in love with that structure mm. itself. Yeah. I knew that it is going to change. Maybe the research design will come in in in, uh, in a next stage, or maybe the, even the organization of the structure would change. I I was quite flexible about it. Also with the draft, um, like even within the uh, within the sections, like in the literature review, I knew that maybe in the end I would subtract a lot of parts, maybe. There's some of the parts I would not feel they are uh, they are relevant yes, enough, yes. so I I was comfortable enough to take them out. 
and uh, bring new things in if I would see that this is something relevant which I need to add into it. So this is something uh, which is an which is uh, an ongoing process yeah. for me. It's it's not something which is final. Yes, I, I find that some writers, I think perhaps this happens particularly in engineering, but it certainly helps happens elsewhere. They they want to fix things, like they write a bit of what the, the work they're doing, their report or whatever, and then they want to screw it down and fix it and say, well, that's done. And that's often a very unhelpful approach. So there will be some listeners, they say, I'm very sympathetic to the approach, as I think you know. And, and when you said earlier that when you start doing a draft, you've got no expectation that it's going to be the final version. I'm, I'm completely sympathetic to that approach. But there will be some listeners who don't like this approach and, and find it they're temperamentally unsuited to it. And they'll be think, saying to themselves things like, well, this sounds like a tremendous waste of energy that I do. You know, write, I don't want to write things and write them again. Can't you just get it right first time? So what would you say to those those people who are feeling it? You know, they might equate our approach to being inefficient or frustrating or wasteful. I think it, it's not an easy mm. process to actually break down your ideas and change it into something new. Uh, it's something that you learn with with practice and time. Um, and, um, I think it's, it's really important for everyone in, in everything, even in a relationship. Mm. Like, <laughs> you have to, like, break down your ideas. You have to compromise on few things and let go of few things that you were always stuck with. So it, it, this can apply on anything in your life, actually, not just mm. academic writing. But in academic writing, I agree that a lot of writers, uh, whatever they create, it's something natural that you you just you are in love with yes. that, and uh, you're not comfortable enough to um, break it down and change it into something else. Um, but I think if once you get comfortable yes. doing that, you you will see that how how you um, how. I mean, it's it's something that you will enjoy because mm. evolving something into a better yeah. version of it is it gives you um, a lot more satisfaction because you can you you are actually witnessing that development and that evolution and you see how um, and it's so satisfying mm. like. This is something which you are uncomfortable with, but you are breaking that up and you, you are subtracting things and you are adding things. You, you are more free. You will right. f feel that freedom inside you. I think your word comfortable is very important. So, um, I've often wondered why it is that writers are so resistant to sort of letting go of their first designs. And I used to think that was just to do with ego. Like, they, you know, the ego got in the way. They'd think, well, this is my idea, so it must be a good one. And I, I think that is true, but I, I don't think it's just that. I think it's also to do with maybe almost, um, well, a sense of comfort and even confidence. Like, they, they want to stick to their first idea because they're not confident that they can come up with something different or, or something better. And, and so the more comfortable they feel with that process, the more they're going to believe that they can discover something better, I think. Yeah, 
Yeah, I I would really like to give uh, this example, mm-hmm. which is which I feel it's very relevant to academic writing yeah. also. Yeah. So when when an artist starts sketching, when it's like a a student who just started drawing, the teachers they basically teach us to draw these construction lines before we draw. Right. So the construction lines basically help us to uh, help us guide the whole composition and the um, you know where where let's suppose if i'm uh, drawing a portrait it will guide us where the eyes will be where the nose will be the position of it and the composition and everything so the construction line is like the structure of an academic writing report or anything uh but these artists who are who are like um very senior artists they don't draw these construction lines they just make a stroke and they because everything is in their head already mm. right yes so as junior researchers we definitely need these construction lines and then we build the whole thing around it but these um once you you once you um master this skill of mm. evolving mm. things uh, then maybe you will not need a first draft. You will just write the final report mm. at, at first. So, but that level comes after a lot of experience. Yes. And um, uh, I don't know if I'm no, clear no. about it, but mm. this felt really relevant to yes. me in this Absolutely. context. Absolutely. I mean, um, thinking of my work as a writer. I used to plan things very meticulously with lots of sort of, you know, numbered points in my plan or bullet points or whatever. And I've learned to do far less of that and to use much looser kinds of plans. Like, mostly what I do to plan things now is actually just talk things through with people rather than actually write a detailed plan. But I don't think I could have done that 30 years ago. I think you, you, you get more confident to, you kind of develop a craft more, you know. I liked your use of the word freedom, though. You said it makes it you make, makes you feel more free in your work as well. That uh, seems to me uh, an important benefit. Well, thank you very much, Sabi. You've been a a, a great guest. I'm, I'm I'm delighted that um, when we were having that conversation a couple of few months ago, you, uh, I picked up on the fact that you said uh, you had this professor who had liberated your work by saying, "Don't fall." fall in love with your work. I think you've given us some great examples of how that works both in visual media but also in verbal media as well. So thank you very much. Very much appreciate your input and and your time uh, to appear on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much, Anthony, for having me. It was was great talking to you. It's always a (laughs) pleasure. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Grey Lit Cafe is edited by Dr. Bart Hallmark and produced by Frontinus Limited. Frontinus specialises in grey literature forms such as proposals, publications, papers and reports. The music is from Handel's Water Music, courtesy of the United States Marine Band and Marine Chamber Orchestra. (laughs) ¶¶